Listen to the Dodo's new podcast, An Animal Saved My Life, for heroic stories like a pit bull who put herself between her mom and an oncoming train. iHeartRadio is number one for podcasts. Don't take our word for it. Listen to An Animal Saved My Life on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis. Author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Your safe space for tough conversations, exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony. Building resilience, talking trauma. Radio Tony. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Radio Tony. Difficult conversations and bringing hope to listeners. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia on W4WN. Good morning, America. Uh, Good evening, America, I should say. And good morning, Australia. You're live with Radio Tony and Tony Lontis. So this week, we have been on flood watch for just about a week. We've had approximately 500 mils of rain and we are soggy. Our animals are soggy. The goats are incredibly upset with the amount of mess and rain in their shed, and they are not happy at all. Every time we walk out onto the back veranda, they are crying for our attention and love, and off we go and give them cuddles. So before I introduce you to today's amazing guest, a wonderful lady by the name of Natalia Josephs, I just wanted to update you guys and let you know that we're okay and I appreciate you listening live on the show today and also to let you know next week I will be in Fiji and in Fiji I will be doing one live show with the amazing Justin Pagato from Trips Plus talking about our plans to travel to the Philippines in May. So good morning Ralph. Fire then water. Is this a sign? Well, Ralph, Australia is a continent of extremes. And I'm telling you that the amount of fire we had just even a week ago and the amount of rain across the southeastern states of Australia is truly incredible. Lots of places experiencing records amount of rain and record amounts of flooding. So yeah, mate, I'm not sure what's going on, but uh, it's a tense time. For us particularly, we live um, on the border of Talabudgera Creek, And that means that we have a concrete flood plan. That means that we have in place, we take the cars off site, we take the mower off site, everything goes up. We have a plan to get the animals shifted to higher ground, all of those things. And it is set in stone that's what we do we lost everything after cyclone debbie in 2017 and after that date we changed the way we functioned and we changed the way that we did things around our acreage property so that included um realigning fences it included changing where we put the animals and how we sheltered the animals. It also included raising our house 1.6 metres above the highest level of flooding after Cyclone Debbie. So we've done all those things in an effort to uh, acknowledge that we flood and be as safe as we can be because we don't want to put others in danger trying to rescue us. So we had this plan in place. So uh, this morning, We will be talking after the break to the gorgeous Natalia Josephs. Now, Natalia has actually got a very interesting backstory. She developed the first online program in 2004 uh, before 
before online learning became accepted into mainstream training activity. She started as an international model, but had unfortunate accident that resulted in uh, disfigurement and uh, she wasn't able to walk on the catwalk or model anymore. And it saw her uh, enter a time of and then decide to change what she did uh, versus an international modelling career. So we're going to go to a quick break with Rebel and have a lovely working class song from Jimmy Barnes. And when I return, we'll be talking to the lovely Natalia Josephs live on Radio Tony. Over to you, Rebel. Radio Tony. Bringing social consciousness, this time every Thursday evening, live from the Gold Coast, Australia, on W4WN. Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl, discovering a woman of strength and beauty, is the new book from Australian author Tony Lontis. Available in paper, ebook, and audio formats, Resilience is a true life story of Tony experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues, and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Available for download now through all good online retailers and in all good bookstores. Working hard to make a living, bringing shelter from the rain. A father's son left to carry on blue denim in his veins. Oh 
Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Radio Tony. You're listening to your host, Tony Lontis, and today, live online, we have the wonderful Natalia Josephs. Good morning, Natalia. Hi, Tony. <laughs> I'm so glad to have you here today. So, Natalia is right across the other side of the country in Western Australia. I'm on Eastern Australia, and in Natalia's world, there's just been a cyclone over there. I'm pretty sure it didn't go anywhere near Natalia, but just those are the extremes of Australia at the moment. Yes, there's a lot of weather extremes at the moment, Uh, fires and and rain and it's, yeah, lots. Yeah, yeah. So... For our listeners, um, before we went to the break, I was telling you that Natalia started life as a beautiful international model. And I have to say, she is still incredibly gorgeous. And she had an accident that resulted in the end of her career in modeling. And she had to look to doing something else. And so that's led to her uh, working life in education around training and employment. Is that the best way to describe it, Natalia? Look, it probably is. I think um, being resilient um, is is the is the main factor in our lives that, that sort of keeps us going, and we never really know what's around the corner. And yeah. look, having an accident where you're completely innocent, you're just walking along the footpath, and a drunk driver yeah. comes and cleans you up. There's a lot of emotion attached to that as well because you kind of feel like the pathway is your safety. You're safe on the path, but you're actually Absolutely. not. So from a life perspective, it's also, um, I, I guess it's kind of an allegory, isn't it, when you think about it? But um, it, 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 I, I really had to rethink my career. Now, I had gone to university and studied music in the past, so yes. I did have that as a backup. I was a good pianist and I was a very good double bass player. So yeah. I thought, well, I'm going to go back and, 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 and look at those. And I remember yeah. waking up one morning very, very early, about, I guess, um, three or four months after I'd had um, this terrible accident and, and my leg was all damaged and I had scars on my, on my body, fortunately not on my face. Um, yeah. And I thought, you know, I can go down the path of suing the, the, you know, the motor vehicle insurance company, you know, they had people watching me to make sure I really was sick and all of this sort of thing. And, and you know, I had a wonderful support um, and sort of thing with my parents. They were fabulous. I was only 28 at the time. And as my father said, this is not the end of your life. This is the beginning. You've got to start again. So I remember getting up one night and pouring myself a great big glass of red wine and sitting there and thinking, okay, this is where I am now. (laughs) This is where I need to be, you know. And I looked at my bass and my piano and thought, okay, well, I'm going to work as a double bass player, which I did. And I I worked in bands and I worked on recordings and I did kind of backup musician because I could read music very well. So I did that for a while and then got tired of the drug and drunk culture of the music industry and decided I'd go as a solo pianist, which led to a whole new career. But of course, then I got married, and I did, and it was travelling. There was a lot of travelling involved, three, four months away at a time, travelling. And you married a Canadian, Natalia. Yes, yes I yeah. did. I met a Canadian and married him, and I wanted to be at home with him. I didn't want to be travelling, yeah. playing the piano. So I had to once again reinvent myself. So I went back to university and decided that I the journey that I had from employment had some value and I began to research. I spent about two years researching employment methods and the way we could do it. In the meantime, I just kind of um, learned a lot about what it was to be employed and what employment meant to people. And I found that really interesting from a psychological perspective as well. And so those experiences kind of shaped your life and ultimately led to you developing the Employment Advantage Program. Is That's correct, isn't it? With the research that I had done, 
I yes. began to understand that most people that are looking for work are looking for the wrong jobs in the wrong way. And, and that's just a basic thing. Yeah. So can you tell the listeners about your Employment Advantage program? So it's, it's I, I, I suppose essentially it's a program that teaches people, particularly young people, how yeah. the employment market works. Yeah. So how do you apply for a job? Now, most people think they know how to apply for a job. They just write a resume. Um, They look up a job online or in the newspaper and they, um, you know, send off their resume and wait for an answer. Well, that might have worked 30 years ago, 40 years ago even, but not anymore. doesn't work anymore like that. The employment market is very, very um, difficult now for people. Yes. And that's across the world, isn't it? It is across the world. You know, whereas during the um, during the earlier eras of, of human, um, I guess, endeavour, the weather controlled our lives, but now the yes. markets rule our lives. Yes. So we've got to look at the markets. What do employers want? What are they looking for? Yeah. And, and I think we miss that. We don't look at employment from the employer's perspective because that's what you have to do and people say to me well they didn't even write back to me they didn't even answer my resume application and or I just got an automatic reply and I kind of say to them well you know they probably had over seven eight hundred applications and they've got to go through all of those and they can't send a personal letter to everybody so it's no longer a personal thing it's about it, it, it's a bigger thing now, and we have to look at it from a much more global perspective rather than just, this is me, this is you, you've got to be nice to me. And I think yes. that's I think that's kind of where we're at at the moment, and, and, and my program is trying to explain that to people, but also all the psychological issues that go with unemployment. There's a huge amount of, of issues associated with being unemployed, and I try and explain to people, okay, so you're unemployed or you're looking for a job. This is what to expect. This is how you're going to feel and this is why you're going to feel this way. Because if if human beings understand why they're thinking in a certain way, they can say, okay, do I want to think this way or do I not want to think this way? And they can make that choice. Do people who have been um, unemployed... Uh, for a short amount of time vary from the people who have been unemployed for a long amount of time? Does their mindset uh, change uh, in terms of how how long they've been unemployed, Natalia? Look, there are some figures out there that say that if you're unemployed for a year, you're 50% less likely to get a job. Well, look, I, oh, wow. I I would say that that is, uh, there's a whole lot of other issues, not just about I can't yeah. find a job. Yes. After 12 months, you are completely and utterly shattered if you're looking for a job. So I think If you've been really, looking for 12 months, absolutely. And you've applied for 500 jobs. You know, I mean, it gets down to what are you applying for, how are you applying for it? But I think... We need to consider the idea of, you know, being unemployable. They believe they'll never find a job. And this is really important. And it has nothing to do with just believing, you know, via the law of attraction. If I just believe I'm going to get a job, I'm going to get one, that's not going to work for you. Sorry. Yes, you have to have a positive attitude. But just believing you're going to get a job is not going to get you a job. That's the reality. There's a scientifically proven reason why we can't find a job after we've yeah. been unemployed for a long time for most people. So yeah. Dr. Martin Sullivan, he's the father of modern positive psychology movement, and he he named a condition called learned helplessness. Yes. So think of an elephant tied to a little tiny post in the ground and believe they can't escape. So that, that's yeah. a simple example. So he carried out some experiments and this is only a brief and basic outline, very quick, just to give you an idea. Yes, yes. yes. He, he put some dogs into shuttle boxes with one side that could be open and closed. He had three lots. He put a rubber mat in two of the boxes um, that had low-voltage electric current that could go through it. Yeah. Um, and they had a control group that had nothing, just a rubber mat. Yeah. So 
he put the first group of dogs on the rubber mat with no current. The second group of dogs had a low voltage electric current with no way to turn it off. And the third group of dogs were on rubber mats with very low voltage, but they could press a lever and turn off the current. Yeah. Then he did this for a few times, and then he opened the shuttle boxes. Now, the control dogs that just sat on an ordinary mat just jumped out, as did the dogs who could turn off the lever, turn off the current via the lever. They could just oh. press the lever again. They jumped out. They had control. They knew. It didn't matter. Yes. However, the dogs that had no control over the current didn't jump out. They stayed on the mat, even though they were experiencing, you know, quite a lot of discomfort. Even though they would have been able to stop that discomfort, they essentially learned to be helpless. Wow. And this is what a lot of job seekers experience. Yeah. They believe they can't get work. Yes. And notice I didn't say a job. I said work. Yes. It's a big difference. Yes. Yes. So this is a huge topic and it can't be covered in two minutes. But you get the picture. No. It's yeah, not the yeah. fault of the job seeker. This is a normal protective mechanism. <clears throat> we don't like to lose control of our lives. And therefore, there must be something out of their control that can prevent them from finding work. So we start to blame. <clears throat> we don't say, look, I'm feeling depressed about finding work. I'm not going to worry about applying because I'm not yeah. going to get a job anyway. I'm too young. I'm too old. I have this, I have that, blah, blah, blah. And so they just start sending out applications to please the government so they can get their, their um, unemployment benefits. And they start to live within that box, yeah. proving they can't get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And this is such a huge topic because you can't just learn how to get a job in five seconds. Just sending the no. resume out is not going to solve your problem. It, it's, it's a job. Getting a job is a job and you really have to put the time and effort in. And we have to look at what employment is. Is yes. employment just going to a job every day or is it utilising a specific skill that I have? And yeah. it's changed in the last, you know, 20 years, that whole thing has changed. Yeah, yeah. Natalia, um, Jaden's just commented and said many people have probably experienced things close to this in the workplace. So that whole idea that we've just been talking about, uh, work versus a job, um, do you want to explore that a little bit more, how you see work different from a job? Okay. So getting a job means... I suppose, in in a kind of a, a sense, you get up, you get dressed, you go to work, you do your job, the employer gives you money for doing that, you come home and you, you do what you do at home and you pay for your lifestyle through that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Work, that's a job. Yes. Working, and you may hate your job, but you keep doing it because you are you have a mortgage and you have your yes. kids and you have to do this and you have to do that. Yeah. Work is a different thing, I think, and I, I like to distinguish between the two. I mean, our, our entrepreneurial, the numbers of people who have become entrepreneurs has increased dramatically. Entrepreneurialism and adaptability quotient are the two big things for the next probably, you know, taking over jobs. That's so encouraging to hear, Natalia. So, <laughs> so encouraging. So, so we need to look at who we are and what we can do. Now, I could have just said, well, I can't model anymore. I'm just, I'm going to go and get a job, try and get a job yep. in a supermarket. No one's going to want me. Yeah. A, I don't look like a supermarket employee. I'd be miserable as anything because I'd hate to stand there and have to put up with all those people telling me that, you know, the price of tomatoes have gone up. I'd probably yeah. end up punching them in the face. You know I mean? Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's not yes. me, you know. Yes. So I had to find something that I loved. And luckily I had this other thing. Now, I had to study for another six months before I could actually go and get a job as a double bass player. I had to practice. I hadn't played yes. for ages. So I yes. got back into it and I worked really hard with a focus on that. Yeah. So, so and, and I was lucky I had a support mechanism. So we need yeah. to have support mechanisms socially. So the government needs to assist people, and they try to do that, I think, to a certain extent. I have a view on that, but anyway, um, yeah. that, that we need more support for people who are looking for, for employment. But we also need to understand that we don't want to spend our life struggling. Life is not meant to be a struggle. Life is such oh. a beautiful thing. And... 
we, we really need to understand how our brain is working in these situations and, and how we can dig ourselves out of a hole because we do have the ability to do that. Yes. But we get so tied up in our own life and our own way of thinking and there's so many threads that come into this. You know, we live in a modern meritocracy where you've got winners and losers. And yes. if you don't want to work hard and get to the top, well, you're a loser. So we're all trying not to be losers. But, yes. you know, it's not like that. It, it's, you know, we can't live in an environment like that forever because everybody is, I believe everybody's equal. They should have equal opportunities. And we create that ourselves by by doing the things that we do on the, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big issue. So work is doing something that you enjoy that you can do that people are going to pay you to do. A yeah. job is where you go to work and you do a task or a series of tasks and you get paid for doing it. Does that yeah. kind of make make a difference? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Natalia, Pearl's just commented, sometimes you just have to get work until you find a job and that describes exactly what we've been been talking about. Um, so one of the other things that I wanted to talk with you this morning about, Natalia, was the concept of why it's important for women to get work and why you believe that everyone is entitled to work if they wish. So for most of history, agriculture was the, was the main human occupation. Uh-huh. And heavy physical labour wasn't confined just to men. Women performed these tasks as well. And the only respite they got was when they had a bar. So yeah. basically they gave birth and they went back into the fields. But they the did. Industrial Revolution changed that. So it went from home, working in the fields and doing all those sorts of things, to factory. And whole yeah. families worked for one company. But then in the mid-19th century, the role of the male as the good provider emerged, mm-hmm. where women took over the household and domestic tasks and men went out to work. Yeah. So one of the reasons that this happened was that there was a lot of bad stuff going on for women and children. They were yes. in the factory system. They were treated very badly. So they raised, mainly in England it started, they raised the minimum age of child labour and limits Thankfully. were set. Yes, and limits were set on the working hours for women and children. Yes. And they were barred, women were barred from certain dangerous and heavy occupations. So they couldn't get jobs that they could uh-huh. do, but they were barred from it because they were considered to be, I guess, you know, unable or weaker or whatever. Yes. So they so they began to engage primarily in domestic tasks such as childcare. Yes. And and home things and cleaning houses and things like that. And men went out to work and they became the sole wage earner. Yes. And that reinforced the male traditional position as a head of the family. Yes. And it made it very difficult once that was entrenched for women to get themselves out of that. I mean, I remember when I was young, oh, she'll be left on the shelf. She's 27 and she's not married. My goodness, what's going to happen to her? So you were either a a spinster looking after mum or you were a wife that was staying home and having children and looking after the family, which was looked, she's only a housewife. How many times have I heard that? Oh, she's only a housewife. So insulting. It is so insulting. So in the 1970s, women started entering the workforce again. And the segregation... That took a long time, didn't it, Natalia? A long, long time. And the segregation yeah. of women from some occupations began to decline. Uh-huh. So women were, you know, I mean, really, if you operate a dump truck, it can be operated via computer now. You yes. don't need to be able to lift stuff or risk your life or whatever. Operating a forklift in a factory can be done just as well as a woman by a woman as a man. Correct. So no heavy lifting, no good alertness. But we still have this belief that that's a man's job. Yes. The same as running a company. Oh, there's yes. still this belief that women can't run a company because they haven't got the emotional stamina. I mean, there's yes. so many threads through this. But, you know, men experience unemployment too and they go through this as well. So yes. there's so many social issues. Yes. So socially men have become used to being the breadwinners. And mm. if they can't support their family via being unemployed, it's emotionally devastating 
for them. But, yeah. uh, but on top of that, we've got this whole social change brought about by social media where we focus on being seen as successful. Yeah. And old social beliefs and patterns take a long time to change. Yes. So we've got this whole lot of stuff going on and people still have in their, in their automatic brain, I need to get a job. I need to go and work for someone who will give me money and even if I hate the job, I'm going to go and get some money. Yes. So I can pay my bills. That is the way people think. But where where every single one of us has a skill that's unique, that has something that we can do. Yes. You know, whether it's going and helping the neighbours with their children, whether it's volunteering, you know, whether it's something, we should be doing something with our days, not just yes. sitting there being miserable and worrying about the fact that we haven't got enough money, which is, I think, completely unfair. Yeah. I think that we should be looking after our unemployed people, our women and our men better. Who could be, who could be gainfully given things to do, i.e. work, in so many facets mm. across the place until they're able to get paid uh, a paid job. Um, if people were to volunteer in any number of places, even volunteer for a company that they'd like to work for, you're going to gain skills, knowledge and connections that may help you actually get a paid job, isn't that? But, but you see, there's so many barriers to that. Yes, and because, that was my next question. Yes, because you can't take someone on and train them up without paying them a full salary. Yeah. Because it's illegal for start. Yes. Secondly, you have to have insurance in case they hurt themselves. Yes. I mean, there's a whole range of issues. You can't just take someone and say, okay, work for me for three months and I'll give you a resume, you know, something on a resume. You just yeah. can't do that anymore. That's so that's right. blocked off. So people who don't have experience can't get the experience. Yeah. Now, in some places like in Australia, we have um, employment services. And they are able to put people out into um, work experience and give them those skills. And that's a really valuable thing. So anybody who's, who is unemployed could go along to their employment services and say, I'd like to get into retail. I've got a retail certificate or whatever. And that's another issue. We'll talk about that in a moment. Yes, um, yes. And, then, um, and then get a bit of experience and say Red Dot or something like that, then they can go along to Coles and say, okay, well, I've got this experience, I've got this training, now I'd like a job with you. And I'll say, sure, we'll give you zero hours. <laughs> so we'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment. But, yeah. but there's a whole range of issues here. Yeah. And, and it's a combination of a difficult market with people who are going through massive changes and having to accept that. Yeah. dominated by volatile monetary markets yeah. and the cha social changes that are going on. And somehow people who are looking for work are kind of in the middle of this vortex and yeah. just struggling to fight their way out of it. And it's really demoralising. Does, yeah. does that sort of make sense? It does. It does. I'm just wondering for our American listeners, do they have um, an employment scheme like Australia does? I'm thinking that maybe they don't. I think, I'm not sure, but we base our employment services on an American model, I think. But oh, it started okay. in England and it may have, it's actually have a similar system in England as well. Okay. Um, we pay people to get people jobs. Yes. But we have to also look at the idea of what is unemployable because we hear a lot, oh, they're unemployable. Yes. What does yes. that mean? You know, what does what that is, mean? Well, there are two factors. So the, so the definition of being unemployable basically, just, just quickly, is yes. a person who's unemployable doesn't have a job and they're unlikely to get a job because they don't have the skills or abilities an employer might want. Yes. All right, that's, that's part one. Part two is, and most people who are considered unemployed believe they'll never get a job, and yeah. that's what we are talking about before. Yeah. So let's look at why a person is unemployable and is unlikely to get a job because they don't yeah. have the skills and abilities an employer might want. Yeah. 
we all have skills and abilities, but all an employer wants is someone who can do the job to the level required in the time allocated. So uh-huh. you have to ask yourself the question, can I do the job? And can I prove that I can do the job, either uh-huh. by demonstration work trial or some sort of experience to back up your claims? Because if an employer takes you on and you can't do the job and you said you have, it costs some money to get rid of you. So they need to really make sure that they're making good decisions. So you can't just go to them and say, yeah, I can do this job. And they go, okay, there's your job. It doesn't work like that. You've got to say, okay, I can do this job and I can prove I can do it because I did it in this company and I did it here and I've got this qualification. Can you do it to the level required? Well, you might need some sort of qualification or on-the-job experience, right? Yes. Are you fast? Are you accurate? Mm -hmm. They're the Mm -hmm. questions they're going to ask. Prove that you're fast and accurate. And can you... Sorry, Natalia. What are some examples of a couple of skills that you might have? How do you prove that they've got those skills? Just some examples for the listeners. Okay. So, for example... Um, you're looking for a job in retail. Yes. What are the skills that you need for retail? Well, the first thing is you need to be able to use a till. You need mm-hmm. to present well. That would be a um, that would be an ability. Two key. Yes. yes. And you would need to have customer service skills. You yes. would need to understand stock, how to restock shelves, how yep. to do um, what do they call it, where you you know check everything to make sure that inventory. Yes, I mean, there's yes, a whole yes. lot of skills in retail. You don't just walk in there and go, oh, can I help you? That's not yes. what retail is about. Yes. Retail yes. is about running a business. It's about getting customers, making customers happy yes. and knowing the products and yes. having great, you know, social skills yes. where people feel good about coming and buying off you. Otherwise, I'll just go online. Yeah, and and yeah. this is the biggest issue: is people go, well, I've got my certificate for in retail. I've got my, I've I've got a bit of experience in red dot, but yeah. that's not enough. Yeah. Does that kind of make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing that I was going to ask you: what determines what a skill is, and versus a personal attribute? So. Uh, your skill may be uh, operating uh, a a till in a retail setting and what's a personal attribute that might assist that skill and bring you up uh, in terms of finding a job for that particular retailer? So attached to operating a till might yeah. be the ability to focus. Yes. So, okay. So so let's look at it from a from a um, a metaphorical way. Yes. Let's look at a tree. Now a tree has a trunk. It has twigs. It has all of these other things attached to it. And then it has the leaves and the shoots and all the things growing yes. on the tree. And then there's the wind that pushes the tree in a direction, right? So you're watching a tree and it's moving in the direction of the wind. Yes. If we look at the tree and we say, well, the skills are the hard things. That's the, they're the, they're the, that's the trunk and that's the leaves and that's Big all the leaf. stuff yep. that's made of the tree, right, the hard mm-hmm. stuff. The abilities would be the wind that pushes the trees it's invisible it's invisible but it's affecting the way the tree moves does that kind of make sense it does it does so what are the hard what are the hard skills that you can do well you can operate a till that is a hard skill but focus is a soft skill yes focus and having customer service these are soft skills your ability so you, to smile and maintain a positive yes, attitude whilst yes. you're using said till. Yes. So, so, so employers are increasingly looking for soft skills because they know they can teach people how to use a, a till. Yes. It's, it, it, look, it's pretty complicated, but if you set your mind to it, you can learn to use a till. Yes. But... Are, you, are the customers going to like you? Are you going to uh-huh. present well? Are you going to love doing this job? Are you going to love helping women 
find yes. an outfit for that special occasion and you're going to mm -hmm. really put your heart and soul into it, not just try and make money, although they need to make money, but so the customers will come back again yes. and again and again. Uh -huh. because that's what the market is all about. People want something more. They're just getting online and going, yeah, I like the look of that dress. It's the right size. Um, yeah, click, bought it. They yes. want more than that. They come to a retail outlet for the social aspect yes. of it. Gosh, so that dress looks nice on you. Yes, you look fabulous. And you yeah. know what? If you put this brooch on it, Look it at that. It's even better. Wow. And that scarf, it's called upselling. It's another skill. Yes. Yeah. But most people just go, yeah, the dresses are over there. Yeah, blue ones, just go in the corner there. There's some in the um, really big yeah. sizes. Yeah, that's a particular uh, bugbear of mine as a woman over 50 who walks mm -hmm. into a clothes store and becomes invisible. So, so making – everybody wants to feel important. It doesn't yeah. matter if you're a person going into a bank or you're a person going into a retail store or you're a person buying a car um, yes. or you're a person going into a hamburger place. It doesn't matter. They want people who, who, who even if they're saying, will you have fries with that, they still want them to say it in a way that's, that's meaningful. I know that sounds uh -huh. ridiculous, but – no. Uh, will you have fries with that? Or will you with have a smile. You know what I mean? It's like it, yep. it's the most basic customer service thing, but it's but it's so important. So every single job in the world requires those skills because it means you can get along with the people that you're working with. Yeah. You work yeah. as a team. Yeah. And the workplaces have become fractured yeah. and and it's becoming harder and more ruthless and yeah. You know, we've lost that sense of belonging that we so yeah. badly need. And yeah. this is where we start to have social problems. But anyway. Yes. Before we run out of time, Natali, there's two more things that I, I thought were really important for this work and employment discussion today. And that was around resumes and curriculum vitae or CV and selection criteria. So there's a difference between a resume and a CV and what are they and why are each of them important? So the resume is basically means a, you know, a, 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 I guess there's a French word and, and it just means you know, a, a summary of your life. Yes. Most people put everything into their resume and you end up yes. with a 15-page resume. Employers are busy. They look at it and think, oh, no way. Yeah. They stick it in the bin. Yeah. What you want to do is you need to tailor every single resume for the job so the employer yes. can look at it, put his words back or put her words back to them. So if they say, must be adaptable. Your first ability will be highly adaptable in a workplace situation. You've got to repeat their words back to them. But oh. if you're not adaptable, don't go for the job because you, yeah. you're not adaptable, you know. Yeah. So you've got to repeat the words back so they feel familiar and you've got to put them on page one. And you've okay. got to keep your resume to two pages. Employers have very short attention spans. It's, not, yes. it's because they're busy. And uh -huh. even the HR departments are busy. They haven't got time to go through hundreds of 15-page resumes. Can yes. you do the job to the level required in the time? Do you have experience? That's what yeah. they're looking for. Yeah. Right? So that's that's got to be on page one to get them in. They're the hooks. Yes. Then they'll look at the others and they'll get you in for an interview. And that's a whole different area. The yes. first thing to do is to get an interview. The resume will get you the interview. It won't get you the job. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Now, a curriculum vitae is more what you use if you're a high-level academic. Yes. If you're going for an academic job or a, um, a you know a, a CEO job or a very high-level yes. job. But resumes are generally used for everyone these days, so yes. except in those sort of positions. And they'll have attachments, like attachment A will be a list of all the papers they've written or where they've been yes. featured or whatever. So uh -huh. most people, most listeners will just be a resume. Uh-huh. Now, a selection criteria, we get back to can you do the job to the level required in the time you're given. Mm -hmm. In a selection criteria, you need to prove that with previous experience yes. or training. And that's wording along the way, along the lines of I have experience doing 
blah, blah, as demonstrated in my role at as such and such doing blomp, 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 blomp. Exactly. So in the employment advantage, and look, I have to tell you, listeners, this is aimed at 13 to 18-year-olds. Yes. It's animated. Yes. But I have grown-ups, when I say grown-ups, I mean, you know, adults yes. who are in their 50s and 60s who do this program. They buy it, oh. they do the program, and they say a lot of it I kind of knew, but it yes. reinforced it as being something that I needed to do. And your program's online, isn't it? It's Natalie? online. Yeah, you just get yes. online and, and, and yeah, employment And for our listeners, I've popped Natalia's email and her website up in the chat box and I'll read them again to you um, in a moment. Sorry, Natalia. Yeah, yeah. So, so selection criteria, it's all explained in the program in great detail. Yes. The program is not an easy program. It's not a fat pill. And I always align my I always align my program to it's not a fat pill because yeah. we all if we're overweight we all want to take a pill at nine o'clock at night and wake up in the morning and have this gorgeous body and haven't had to do anything not diet not exercise not do anything yeah yeah that's what we want but it doesn't work that way and the no. same with learning how to get a job you have to put the hard hours in and this is a 25, um, 25 lesson program with three modules and yeah. most of it adults will kind of go, ah, I'd forgotten about that, or yes, I know that, or that's interesting. So then, But it's all animated. So you listen to it and you watch the little pictures coming up on the screen and, and, and it's quite enjoyable. Yes. And you don't have to do the questionnaires to move on. You can just do the program and forget the questionnaires and just zip through it. Yeah. But in Australia, or in, sorry, in Western Australia, it's worth five points on the WA Certificate of Education. Oh. So it's not it's not worth that in, in other states in Australia or anywhere else in the world. So you're doing oh. it to earn a skill. But yes. in WA, it's actually recognised by the education department. Yes. So if you wanted to get your certificate of education, this will give you five points if you do it through your school, which is one whole okay. thing. Now, we're going to try and get it endorsed in other yes. cities, but we just haven't got around to it yet because yes. we're busy putting our developing social skills program online, which is our next yes. program. Yeah. And that's also worth a unit in WA. So this program is not a fat pill. You have to dedicate yourself and say, and oh, it's so boring and do the work. But at the end of it, you get a resume pro forma. You get a whole lot of information that you can use, you can print off and you can use. There are summaries that you can use as, uh, as for reference. So it's a great little program that I've personally written. Yes. Um, and it's a program that teaches you the principles of how to get a job. And it's so important to understand. You can't, you don't just write a resume and send it off to a job you think you can do. Yeah. And that's what most people do. And then they have 500 rejections and they go, I can't get a job. Nobody wants me. I'm useless. I'm too old. I'm too young. There's nobody in the market. That sort of thing. Yeah. Do you ever think anyone is too old to find a job? Listen, I was talking to somebody in employment services a few months ago, yeah. and they have a woman who is 77 years old, and she wow. is the best online person who oh. reads employers and talks to them about job seekers. So oh. now, how old are writers? Writers yes. write till they're into write their 20s. They, yes, correct. How old are actors? They yes. act till they're um, falling out of their chair. You know, that's I mean, right. It's the same in any job. Can yes. you do the job to the level required? Do you want to do the job at seventy-five? I mean, yeah. that's the thing. <laughs> lots of lots of our older population really enjoy having something that still keeps them gainfully um, employed or or using their hours and. Uh, people as we age, there's a wisdom about age that people underestimate. And if you're 77, there's 77 years of life experience you can use to help someone uh, and a younger person so easily. And I think, too, that we have to remember there is an age jealousy. Young yeah. people are made to believe that older people are taking their jobs. They're not. Yeah. Um, older people believe that younger people are ungrateful. 
Yes. So there's kind of generational differences as well. Uh-huh. Um, the thing is, if you are physically and mentally able to do tasks within a particular job or work, there yeah. is no and in a particular time frame, yes. age should be no barrier, should it? No, no barrier whatsoever. And in fact, I think people, organisations lose a whole range of corporate um, memory when they yes. get rid of their older people. People they work do. in organisations for 20 years and then they say, oh, you, you know, we don't need you anymore. We're going to replace you with someone younger. And with yeah. that person goes 20 years, years of corporate of- memory. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Natalia, it's been truly delightful talking to you this morning about the changing landscape of employment, work and jobs across the world. We are actually out of time, but before we go, thank you so much for coming on Radio uh, Tony this morning. And Natalia is Natalia, N-A-T-A-L-I-A, at Empowered, spelled I-M-P-O-W. RD.com.au and her programs are on her empowered website, which is IMPOWRD.com.au. And Natalia has made um, a, 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 her job is to help others get jobs. No matter where you are around the world, Natalia will be able to to help you. It's been a wonderful discussion this morning, Natalia. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to appear on Radio Tony. And um, I look forward to chatting to you again sometime soon. So wonderful listeners, that's it for Radio Tony this week. Um, Luckily, I'll be joining you next week with our guest, Justin Pagato, talking about Trips Plus and our trip to the Philippines. Um, Thank you so much, Natalia. Bye, everyone, for now, and over to you, Rebel. Radio Tony, your safe space for tough conversations, exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony, a platform for the unheard. Radio Tony. With Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio 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 Tony. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Back next Thursday from 7pm Eastern Standard Time, live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Mom!